Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Conversations on issues impacting Californians of all ages. Here's your host, Theon Gordon. Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Join us as we dive into issues and policies that impact Californians of all ages, particularly older adults, and learn how you can connect with AARP to make our state more livable for all. I am an AARP volunteer and your host, Dr. Theon Gordon. Today, we are joined by guest expert Kathy Stokes to discuss common frauds and scams during the holidays and what you can do to protect yourself and your loved ones. Kathy Stokes is a nationally recognized leader in the consumer fraud arena. As Director of Fraud Prevention Programs with AARP, Kathy leads AARP's social mission work to educate older adults on the risk that fraud represents to their financial security. Kathy, welcome to the show. Dr. Gordon, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful to have you here on In Clear Terms. But before we dive in, can you share more about AARP's work in the fraud prevention arena? Sure can. We have a program that's called the AARP Fraud Watch Network. We have volunteers all over the country connected to our 53 state offices who are engaged in getting out into community and presenting on what the latest scams are, how to stay safe. We have a great website with a lot of really good consumer information at aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. We also have support for victims. So if you've experienced being targeted or you're not sure of something that you're looking at, like the Publisher's Clearinghouse letter, is this really the Publisher's Clearinghouse? You can call our helpline. And importantly, if you've been a victim or a family member has, you can call that helpline to get help on figuring out what to do next. And then it's a judgment-free zone, which is very important. We also have a program on victim support online where you can join sessions. If you've experienced fraud or a family member of someone who has, you can join peers in a discussion to try to get past the deep, intense emotional impact that fraud can have on people. And then finally, you know, we're doing nothing short of trying to fundamentally change how this country responds to fraud targeting consumers because we're doing basically nothing about it. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And we're going to get back to those resources. You've given us a lot to start with, that Fraud Watch Network and then the Victim Support Helpline and the online emotional sessions that help. It's always good to have peers. Many times you think, I'm in this all by myself. I must be silly or what happened? But then you get to hear that you're not the only one. And I know that can help. So it sounds like you're doing some wonderful and very important work. So let's dive in now. With the holidays coming up, scammers often take advantage of this holiday shopping season. They steal customers' money and information. What are some of the common scams and fraud that our listeners should be aware of as the holidays approach? I'm glad you asked that because AARP Fraud Watch Network does a survey every year leading up to the next holiday season, asking people what they've experienced in the past holiday season so we can get a sense of trends and whatnot. And what we saw last year is very likely going to be similar, although I expect to see some spikes in things. But the three big ones, I would say, are online shopping scams, 
package delivery scams and empty gift cards. And I'll explain what I mean by an empty gift card. But, you know, we tend to see a lot of the online shopping scams. Specifically, you know, you may click on a link from an email or a text or you click on an ad or a post on social media to like the greatest deal you've ever seen on this really hot product that you want to get for your kid or your grandkid. Only to find that, you know, you go and you put your card information in and you either never get something or you get something that is inferior or it can even take you to a website where the goal is to get you to download malicious software oh, wow. onto your computer. Yes. And oh, that, that's one of those, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, you really need to, and I hate to say this because I'm sure there are so many startups that want your attention, but you got to use the retailers that you know and trust. Mm-hmm. And even at that, if you get an email from, let's say, Amazon or Etsy or something, instead of clicking on that link that they give you, go and type that address into your web browser yourself. That way you're sure that the link isn't malicious. You know, it could be a really good fake. So Etsy.com, Amazon.com, whatever the retailer is, go there directly yourself. Oh, that's a good point, Kathy, because I get all the time these emails that come into my box and it looks like it's from Amazon. It's like, your package is here. And I'm like, I didn't order anything. And then if I look in where it's actually from, even though the reading says Amazon, if I look at what the actual email address is, it'll say something like suckers.com. They even name themselves like we got you or something like that. It's not the true Amazon email. And so I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't understand is how do you spot these scams? When we're talking about the package one, you mentioned online shopping, packaging, and the empty gift cards. Tell us a little bit more about that and how do you spot them? Well, you know, it's getting increasingly difficult. So it's a sad state of affairs, but I think you have to be suspicious about any link. If you get it by a text, if you get it by an email, especially if that message elicits some sort of visceral response, right? Like, oh my God, I didn't spend $700 on Amazon. I better call this number or click on this link and deal with it right away. Or my bank is saying that someone just took $1,200 out of my account. That's not true. And when you get into that heightened emotional state and you take that action, it's where all the problems begin because scammers know, as well as psychologists and everybody else in the world in this space, When you're in that heightened emotional state, which is what criminals call getting you under the ether, you have a really hard time accessing logical thinking. And that's why when we step back and we've not experienced the scam, we may say, well, oh my God, I would have never fallen for that. But you don't know that you wouldn't have because that particular scam focused on something that triggered that person to be highly emotional. So it's really important to just, you just can't really trust links, emails, texts. If you have a relationship with who you're hearing from, go to their website. Better yet, if it's an app, go to the app. It has some more protections and just be that sort of interloper, right? Don't just react to what you see. Take that step back and then follow what you know to be the right path to getting to that actual company. Well, I like understanding it as this getting you under the ether because you're right. We get tense as soon as we see, oh, this has come out of my account. So maybe calming down, taking some deep breaths and really 
examining what it is that we've seen. So that's how we can take a look at some of the online shopping and the packaging. What are the empty gift card scams? You mentioned that. Yeah, and we've been seeing an increase in this. We started asking the question about three years ago. Have you ever experienced giving a gift of a gift card to someone only to find that there was no value on the card? And the same is, have you ever received a card that ended up not having any value on it? And last year, I want to say it was maybe one in five people have experienced this which is a lot of people. And there's a lot of money floating around the gift card industry. So I find it very concerning. And when you look at the reasons, okay, sometimes it's an error. You know, the cashier made an error and it didn't make it onto the card, or there could be some malfeasance there in the store. But more likely than not, the card itself on that rack in the store has been tampered with. And the information on the back, including the activation, the pin, have been recorded and put back on the card rack. Oh my God. And just waiting for somebody to take that card. Even more alarming to me is there's a means to do this electronically. So the criminal can use bots and they control retailers' gift card websites and see which cards are out there that are activated and have a balance on them and wipe that balance out. This is scary. It's very concerning. And I don't want people to be afraid to buy gift cards, but there are some things we can do. You know, I don't trust taking a card off of a rack anymore. I go right to the retailer online and I order it there and I can get an electronic delivery or I can get the actual card and send it to someone. And the thing is like, we all have this tendency, at least I do, I let them sit. You know, six months later, I'm like, oh yeah, I have that gift card to such and such, I should go. And in that period of time, if a scammer is going to get to it, they're going to have wiped it out. So if you can use it quickly, if you have an opportunity to register the card, that helps because if there is some form of situation where you lose money off of that, at least you know you have it registered and you might be able to make the case that you should get that credit back. Okay, so we at least have some remedies for these empty gift cards. Go to the retailer online to buy them. It's a little safer. You should use them quickly. I am so guilty of holding gift cards and losing them and finding them later. Like, oh, I have a gift card and hoping that there's money on them. (laughs) And then you can register the card. That's a really important thing. A lot of us don't register our cards when we get them. Is there any way in terms of buying in the store? Is there anything that you can do there? Yeah. Well, I think that these criminals, they got to get in, they got to get out, right? So it's probably more likely that they're going to take a bunch of cards, find somewhere off camera in that store to do the manipulation, record the numbers and put them back and leave. Well, they probably didn't take all of the cards on that given rack. So go to the back of that rack and pull from the back or pull from the, you know, sort of late middle, if you will. I think you're less likely to experience that if you kind of go deep on those racks. Oh, yes. And I've also noticed a lot of the stores now, and perhaps this is why, they have the gift cards closer to the registers. Yes. And so I would imagine if somebody's going to do it, they wouldn't come up to the register, take the cards away and then come back. So maybe getting the cards that are closer to the register might be a safer bet. Yes. That's a really important one because I know as the holiday season comes up, we buy a lot of gift cards. So thank you for sharing on that one. Do you have any tips on the packaging? So, well, what I'm talking about there is this increase that we're seeing in people who have experienced getting a text message from FedEx or UPS or the Postal Service saying there's a problem with your shipment 
click here or call this number. And if you don't have a shipment coming to you or you didn't send something, it's probably not going to occur to you that there's a problem. You're going to, you're probably going to think, oh, well, they got the wrong number or it's a scam and ignore it. But in the holidays, when we're moving things around, right, we're sending gifts to friends, friends are sending gifts to us. And we see that and it says there's a problem and we, you know, we can't ship it to you. You have to call us. You have to click on this email or text. We're going to do it or the link. We're going to do it. And that will do what it does, like with the fake links in the emails that I was talking about before in the text. Takes you to a fake website. They try to get your information. That malicious software I talked about, quite often what they're trying to do there is capture your keying on your keyboard, capturing your logins, your passwords, your user account names. And all of that is intended to steal your money right from your accounts. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing those tips. This information is wonderful. Now, I also want to bring up the issue of tax scams. Tax season kicks off in February and it will be here before we know it. Some brazen scammers rip off unwary taxpayers by impersonating agents of the Internal Revenue Service actually impersonating the IRS from October 2013 through March 2021. The Treasury Department's Inspector General for Tax Administration logged more than 2.5 million reports of scam calls from IRS impersonators, with some 16,000 victims collectively losing more than $82.6 million. What are common tax scams our listeners should be aware of and how can they protect themselves and report such scams? Well, the first one I want to talk about is the impersonator, the person who's pretending to be from the IRS and is telling you, look, we've been trying to reach out to you. You're ignoring our calls. You're ignoring our mail. And you are now facing a warrant for your arrest if you don't pay these back taxes right away. And again, what are we doing? We're shocked. We're scared. We're getting into that heightened emotional state and where anything is possible. And they'll convince you that in order to pay it, the easiest way to do that right now, and here we go with gift cards again, go down to the store on the corner, pick up an eBay card and a Google Play card, put $500 on each, simply read us the numbers off the back. It's legal tender. It's good. The problem is solved. Oh. Know that the IRS doesn't call and threaten you if you owe back taxes. If you owe back taxes, you'll know that because they'll have sent you many letters before you ever hear from somebody. So it's just not how the government works. So if someone calls from the IRS and you don't already have some experience where you're already communicating with them about something else, it is a scam, full stop. Now, the other thing we see is when someone's identity is stolen and then the scammer uses that information to file a fake tax return and the scammer gets the money. And you don't know as the tax filer until you go to file your own taxes and the IRS says, no, you've already filed. Wow. Yeah. And so what we suggest is a couple of things. One is file early. Don't give the scammers a chance to beat you to it. And there's also an opportunity through the Internal Revenue Service now, and it's pretty easy. I did it myself. You can get a PIN, like a personal identification number that's associated with you and your tax return. And that proves that it is you who is doing the filing. And I, I get a little bit of comfort in that. So that might be something others would want to do as well. 
Oh, thank you for those pointers. So first and foremost, know that the IRS is not just calling you to threaten you out here. I tell you, people are afraid of the IRS because we do respond to those calls. I've actually gotten some of those calls where they say it's the IRS. Interestingly enough, it sounds like a bot as well. They, they sound like machines. So that's also one of the ways that I identify that this may be a scam or fraud because it, it sounds like a Darth Vader type of voice to scare you even more. So let's pay attention to those who are calling. The IRS would have probably reached out to you or definitely reached out to you in writing first. So don't respond to those calls if you haven't seen something in writing. Of course, you can always call the IRS to see if there is something, a claim going on. And then filing early will help you as well as getting that PIN number that's associated with you. So you probably reach out to the IRS to get the PIN number, correct? Yeah, you can go to irs.gov and you'll be able to find what to do there. Great. These are all wonderful tips. And I think it makes it very clear. It's in clear terms how to avoid tax scams. Now, according to AARP, veterans, active duty service members and their families are nearly 40 percent more likely than civilians to lose money to scams and fraud. Why is this? And what are some of the top scams targeting veterans right now? And then even more importantly, how can they protect themselves? Yeah, it's really such a sad state of affairs. You know, veterans are targeted by all of the scams. The rest of the general population is targeted by, they're targeted more for one particular reason, and that's that there's a presumption in the criminal community that there's a regular income going into that household. They presume that the person is getting a, a pension from their military service, or they're collecting disability benefits from the military service, and they have access to government benefits. So that just makes them that much more of interest to the criminals. And, you know, it's all those same scams we hear about, but then there are ones that are specific to having been in the military. You know, someone will call you and say, hey, I can get you access to this uh, special aid and attendance benefit if you follow what I'm telling you to do. And then it turns out to be a scam and you've lost money and maybe have even done something with your finances that makes you ineligible for other benefits. So it has really big ramifications. The other angle they take is to impersonate a veterans charity. They know how tight the veterans community is. And, you know, if you're a veteran and somebody calls you and says, we're raising money to support disabled vets or, you know, whatever the issue is, you're going to want to do that. But the sad truth is these folks are either outright criminals and they're stealing 100% of that money, or they've set up a sham charity and they're taking 90, 95% of what they're fundraising for themselves. Oh, that's just terrible. It's interesting because we want to believe people. I was just reading a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Talking to Strangers. And a part of the premise of the book is why we believe things so easily. We don't want to believe people are frauding us and we don't want to believe people are scamming us. And especially our first responders, our veterans, definitely we wouldn't believe that people are preying on people that serve our country in this type of way. And so being aware of these scams, I think, is even more important for 
not just the veterans to know, but for civilians to know, because I get those phone calls, you know, would you help the vets? Would you help the fire department? Would you help the police fund? And I have to say, I've actually sent funds in to help with some of these causes because I am a philanthropist that would do that. But I have been more astute in it recently because of the materials I've received from AARP in watching and being more mindful of who I'm sending this to. So I'll call the police fund or whatever they say it is. I'll call and say, do you have something that you're, do you have a drive you're doing right now? Or the fire department or the veterans administration, is there a drive going on? Or what are some of the organizations that are actually doing this? And I've began to actively choose the organizations that I want to participate with versus allowing people to come to me. So I do my research, choose, this is an organization I'm going to give to, and this one, and everybody else, I let them know, hey, I can't help you today. I'm helping over here. That is such a great strategy. I do the same thing. I always, at the end of the year, look back and see where I put my charitable donations, decide whether I'm going to continue that, what I'm going to add to it. Then I go to either give.org, which is a Better Business Bureau website, Charity Navigator. There are several sites out there where you can look up the information about the charity, whether or not they even exist. But then you can look and see how much of that money is going to the actual cause versus to the fundraiser's pockets. And then to be able to say, when someone calls and says, you know, hey, I really want you to support these kids with cancer, you can say, I really appreciate what you're doing, but, you know, I've made my decisions on what I'm giving this year. Thank you and hang up. Yeah, I think that's a great way to go. Well, thank you for sharing that for our listeners. Now, I want to touch on the big question here, which I'm sure the answer may differ from case to case. But what do I do if I'm a victim of a fraud or a scam? I know that you mentioned something about a victim support helpline. How do you report it? Are there ways to recover my identity, my money, or anything like that? What do we do if we're victims? I can tell you we make it really complicated <laughs> for victims because we say, report it here, report it there. What I would say is there are two important first steps. One, file a police report. We've gotten away from looking at scams and fraud as a crime in this country to the point that if you try to call the police and say, I've been a victim of a scam, they'll say, well, you know, that's not criminal. They're misinformed. We have to change that. So file the report. Insist that you file a report as a financial crimes victim. If you don't know what to do after that, call the helpline. The number is 877 908-3360. That is run by AARP. We have over 100 trained fraud fighter volunteers answering those calls. We can help you understand what your steps should be, where you need to go. If you call us, that's like reporting it to the government because we send that data to the Federal Trade Commission. And we can help you with the other things. Like if it's been an identity fraud issue, they can help you on the things that you should do immediately and then give you resources. For example, identitytheft.gov for people that are online is a really great resource. It will take you through step-by-step step what you should do based on your specific fact pattern. This is great. And I like that you gave us, first of all, in clear terms, ways to report. 
First, file that police report because it is a financial crime. I hadn't thought about that, that scammers, usually we think, oh, I got scammed. Uh, Woe is me. But they're criminals and we should go after them. I've even gone as far as to contact my bank and then to forward information to them, the email that I would have gotten that's a fraudulent email. Like, can you all find these people so that they can stop (laughs) scamming us? So first, file that police report and report it to different people. And then secondly, make a phone call to 877-908-3360 to find out about identity theft if you have other questions. That's AARP's line. That is our fraud helpline. You can call if you've been victimized, if you've been targeted, and you don't have to be an AARP member. We make this available to everybody because we think it's so important. Oh, that is fantastic. The other site you mentioned is identitytheft.gov. And I want to pay attention to the fact that it's a .gov. So many times, even if you get something from the IRS or the Department of Treasury or something like that, if it's not a .gov at the end, then it probably isn't really from one of those government entities. So I think paying attention to those type of emails as well. Identitytheft.gov. Gov, if you have been a victim of identity theft, that can help you as well. This is such great information. I really, really appreciate you sharing it with us. I also want to touch briefly on how caregivers can protect their loved ones from frauds and scams. What advice do you have for caregivers in protecting loved ones? I think one of the most important things a caregiver, really any family member can do for another family member is to share what you know. We have data that tells us that if you know about a specific scam, you are 80% less likely to engage with it. So think about that. If you're talking to your older loved one that you're caring for and you've just told them about you know, the Amazon scam, chances are really low that they're going to even engage with it. And if they do, they're 40% less likely to lose money to it. So knowledge is very much power. And maybe you want to keep that information flowing. And we have a biweekly alert that you can get by email or you can get by text that just keeps you mindful that fraud is out there and we just need to you know, remain vigilant against it. Thank you so much. These are all very clear terms that help us to navigate through this complicated maze of fraud and scams. Now, I know AARP has an array of free and publicly available resources to protect consumers from frauds and scams. Can you remind us of some of these resources and where we can access them? Well, the one members only we have is your AARP bulletin or the magazine covers fraud in just about every issue. So you can keep up to date on everything by just reading those publications that come to you as an AARP member. But we also have great resources, and I'll repeat it, aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. And we have a fraud resource center with 80 plus tip sheets on common scams. We have a scam tracking map. You can say, hey, look, I just saw this happening in my community. And you've just shared it with people that are on the map and you can actually go in and look what's happening in your community. We have The Perfect Scam is a hit podcast. I think we're in our 13th season. A really great way to learn about how scams operate, how you can stay safe, and importantly, how we need to be empathetic 
with people who experience this. One of the things we forget, or maybe not even know, is that much of this is the place of organized crime. It's not some guy in his mom's basement making phone calls. This is transnational criminal enterprises, and we need to take it very seriously because of that. Well, these are great resources, aarp.org forward slash Fraud Watch Network. There's Scam Tracking Map, the Perfect Scam Podcast. I can't wait to listen to that. I have not listened to that, but I cannot wait. You also mentioned our Victim Support Helpline, 877-908-3360. Online sessions where you can get emotional support. All of these are wonderful resources. And I have to say, I just received this AARP Watchdog Handbook on the Veterans Edition, 10 Ways Con Artists Target Veterans. So this was very helpful for me just reading for our time together. And I understand from you, Kathy, that this actually won an award. It very recently won an award because it's in clear terms, just like your podcast name. Oh, thank you so much. Kathy, thank you for joining us for episode 13 of In Clear Terms with AARP California. Do you have any last comments or items you would like to touch on before we wrap up? I think to remember that a person who experiences this crime has experienced a crime. It is not their fault. They did nothing wrong. The criminals are sophisticated and we owe them dignity and respect and support. That's another thing that we're working on at AARP. But, you know, pay it forward, tell people what you know, and treat people with respect. Thank you so much. We have had the pleasure of speaking with Kathy Stokes on common frauds and scams, particularly around the holidays, and how you and your loved ones can protect yourselves. In future episodes, we look forward to hosting experts and elected officials who can shed light on critical issues in our state, how AARP California is working to ensure the voices of those 50 plus is heard, and how you, our listeners, can learn more and act on these important decisions. Thank you for listening to AARP's In Clear Terms. (laughs) 